0: where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous
1: U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Pat Schulte, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast.
0: I'm excited to talk today to someone who couldn't be more different than me on two specific topics. One, we talk on Earn and Invest a lot about adventure. I'm thinking back to my conversation with Heidi Dusak of Ordinary Sherpa, or more recently, Lauren and Stephen of Trip of a Lifestyle. Their version of enough and their why are tightly bound to adventure and travel. Like my guests today, they are experiencing life to the fullest when they are out in the world exploring. For me, on the other hand, I spend much more time on internal exploration. My why is completely different. Second, we generally espouse a buy and hold investing philosophy on this podcast. Certainly, we have cautiously entered the rabbit hole of day and swing trading, most recently with Richard Thalheimer, creator of The Sharper Image, and his options investing strategy. But we haven't fully embraced these tactics. My guest today not only has, it has fueled his adventures. He couldn't be more different than me, and that's precisely why I'm excited to have this conversation. Patrick Schulte is an adventurer, digital nomad, and the writer behind Bumfuzzle, the oldest sailing blog in existence. He quit his 9-to-5 job back in his 20s when he realized he didn't want work to be the center of his life. That was 20 years ago. Instead, he decided to travel the world, seek adventure, and experience all it had to offer. Patrick, welcome to Earn and Invest. First and foremost, I have to ask, what the heck does Bumfuzzle mean? (laughs)
1: Bumfuzzle. <laughs> so when we, were, when we first decided to do this trip, we, we needed a boat name. And we kind of came up, we stumbled up through a bunch of different uh, ideas and finally came across the word bumfuzzle, which means bewildered or confused. And I think that kind of summed up, you know, our feelings at the time about life and, you know, where we were and where we were going, you know, and then it just stuck with us. And it's, it's been the name of every boat since and our blog and everything else. So we become the bums
0: that That's really interesting, so I, I like bumfuzzle because, as you said, there's kind of a double meaning there. You became the bums, but it also means bewildered and confused, something that maybe a lot of people would be afraid to embrace. And yet it sounds to me like that was not necessarily a bad thing for you at that time of life,
1: yeah, not at all. I mean we we were fortunate, we were uh, successful financially, and we were achieving the you know the American dream. And we were still young and in our 20s and living downtown Chicago. And life was great, really. Uh, but we kind of came to a crossroads that I think everybody comes to. And it was like, you know, what do we want to do? And we just, I don't know. We had, you know, kind of come across some travel narratives some travel blogs and thought, geez, we're, we're 28, 29. And we are doing well, but we've never had an adventure. We don't have a, a story to tell. We just... Really embraced that and decided, you know what, we're going to have one hell of an adventure and then we'll come back and we can always pick up where we left off. You know, we're, we're smart, we're successful. We won't be flat broke. We'll have a little bit of money in the bank and we'll, and we'll pick it up and no big deal. You know, we'll still be, you know, at the time it, we would be 32, 33, I mean, prime, prime earning years. So it was, it was no big deal to us. And, uh, it was, we were excited about taking on the adventure.
0: I want to talk about that crossroads. When you talk about we, you're talking about you and Allie, your wife. You guys met in your teens in Minnesota. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up in Chicago as an options trader.
1: Yeah. So when I was just, I was like a teenager when I decided I wanted to become a trader. I was probably 16 and like saw in the nightly news the guys, you know, when they do the market recap at the end of the day, you'd see the New York Stock Exchange and see the guys in their jackets yelling. It looked exciting it looked like a great place to make some money and that's what i wanted to do and so college i studied finance and economics and then after college or actually i should say during college my i was part of the economics association that took a trip to a place called the minneapolis grain exchange tiny little exchange that traded spring wheat primarily and they had one few fut- you know one pit that they traded spring wheat futures in and I was immediately like, wow, that's amazing. I didn't even know it existed up until that point. Mm-hmm. And so right after college, I saw a job listing for a, a pit reporter, just one of the guys that would stand in the pit and watch the traders and and you know, make and then report the trade into his little microphone and then somebody else would type it in the computer and boom, there it would be on the screen for the whole world to see. You know, so it just kinda went from there. I got noticed by one of the big brokers in the pit. He noticed that I seemed to know what I was doing and was actually interested in paying attention and so he hired me on and immediately took me under his wing and I, I just got re- extremely lucky that he was such a, a great mentor he just immediately started teaching me just everything that he knew and I just kind of worked my way up and within a couple of years I sold my car and put that money into a trading account and just started going at it and then maybe maybe three years in I I got I decided my wife and I talked, we said, you know, if there's, if there's one place I need to be to really give this a go to make the real money and the real success out of this is Chicago. I got to go, you know, I got to go trade in the big pits. So we picked up and, and headed off to Chicago board of trade. And that was it. A couple of years later, three years later, I'd done pretty well. And we decided then again, time for another adventure. So off we went and sailed around the world. So help me understand this. You move to
0: Chicago. You're in the big pits. You're trading your own money. You're becoming more and more successful. You're learning the tricks of the trade. It sounds to me like that's exactly where you wanted to be. Why leave right then, like when you're on the precipice of being yeah. as successful as ever?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to... It's, it's kind of hard to even... Comprehend still to the stage like we were on the precipice. I mean, I was I was trading in the soybean options, but I had the eye of the biggest brokers. I stood right next to them. I was a pretty serious trader, pretty good size, and you know, really had great opportunity to to really go you know to even the next level. Still, yeah, something came into over us. I mean, like I said, we we're twenty eight, twenty nine. We've been together, my wife and I, since we were sixteen married at 23 you know like if we had continued following the path you know we should be having kids now at 28 and we should be buying a house in the suburbs and really that's what all our friends were doing like i we had a lot of friends in chicago that were really all leaving the city and heading out to the suburbs. and we just didn't feel it like it just wasn't us yet we weren't ready for that yet and then again i was as a trader i was home early every day i was like I we, it was only a three block walk to work. So I walk home. It'd be one, the market closed at one and I'm home by one thirty. and you know, I'd get online and there wasn't a lot online back then about, I mean, this was 2003, you know, so there wasn't a ton out there at the time, but I did find some, I stumbled on some travel stuff, some backpacker sites. Like, you know, I was reading about these kids that were like 18 and they're like floating down a river in the middle of, you know vietnam or somewhere crazy and just having these amazing fun adventures and i was thinking man i'm 28 you know like it's getting on like i'm either gonna have some of these adventures or i'm just not you know and i wanted to and i wanted to see more of the world i really hadn't been anywhere but at this point you know other than me mexico for a week or two and i just wanted to see some of the world and my wife fortunately was she's just always there and is always on board with these with these ideas you know fully so or a great team
0: you know as i hear you tell this story i wonder do you would you consider yourself a risk-taking junkie i mean it sounds like coming out of college doing what you did options trading is probably one of the riskier jobs to jump into you kind of wet your lips in that and you start getting comfortable with it and then the next thing you know you're traveling around the world is there something about the risk that really kind of excites you
1: I think there is some search for that in my life. It's hard to pinpoint because I've done things where, where, you know, like adrenaline type things, adrenaline sports, whatever, you know, the the typical stuff, jumping out of planes and bungee jumping and stuff. And that sort of thing, just, I expect it to give me like an adrenaline rush. And then I get to the edge of the plane about to jump and I think, oh, I I should feel something. (laughs) And I jump and I don't really feel anything. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is fun, but it's not like you know, it's kind of like, where's the adrenaline? So maybe I'm lacking a bit of that actually. And so I am kind of searching for it. I I do think there is something to that. And I've never, never nailed it down exactly, but yeah, yeah, I like to do things that are a bit on the edge. I even didn't, honestly, didn't really think of people always say, "Boy, that must have been a stressful job, you know, like standing in there, just yelling all day and waving your arms around and every trade you make is you know thousands of dollars and and i i never really felt like a lot great deal of stress from it you know like my my wife teased like she had no idea really even to the day we left like she didn't even know how much money we really had like i didn't talk about it it wasn't like oh wow i made this much today or you know i mean it was just that was our money it was in the trading account it wasn't real i was only paying myself i paid myself $25,000 a year You know, so like we were really pretty low key people. And I guess we still, you know, at some point we still are, but yeah, I don't know. So I, I, I would trade day in and day out all this money on the line, you know, to me, it was like, well, I'm 28, you know, and it's not going to be the end of the world if I'm wrong, you know, on the one hand, I'll just, I'll find something else. So I, I guess there's that, that feeling that I could always, I'd always land on my feet and so I, nothing really faiths me too much.
0: So you're 28, you decide you're going to sail around the world. Was your plans to become full-time nomads or were you like okay, we're going to do this for a few years and then I'm going to come back to my trading job and go back to what I was doing?
1: Yeah, totally. We were really completely planning on coming back to work. A couple things changed uh, during that time. So we sailing around the world is like a four-year adventure, you know. That's a, it's a big undertaking. And we were I don't know, maybe midway in the trip when things really changed as far as, uh, pit trading, uh, you know, open outcry, the Chicago board of trade, that stuff just it disappeared. You know, we have been being warned about it for years. I remember when I first got a job in uh, at the Minneapolis grain exchange, the guys were all like, oh man, you got here at the worst time. Like this is, you know, like it, it's, we're going to be on computers like n- within a year, you know, and then it didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. And a few years passed. But eventually it did, you know, it caught up and next thing you know, everybody's on a computer and or they're not trading at all. I mean, a lot of the pit trader guys weren't able to weren't able to make, you know, a living, make, make the conversion. So that was one thing that changed. And then the other thing I think was, you know, about maybe midway, the, our, the big switch for us, my wife and I we were in Italy. We had left the boat in Malta for a month while we went to Italy and and decided to just backpack around the country, see all the big cities, the big sites in, in Italy. And we were doing that and we were just like, man, this is great. You know, like there's so much to see and do. I mean, it's just fantastic. On a boat, you see you see a lot of great things, right? But you only see it from the water. You know, you see these beautiful bays and amazing islands and all this. But then you go to some like place like Italy and you've got that, but you've also got, you know, so much culture and so much amazing things that history and everything else to see inland so at that point we thought you know what like we're just never going back to normal life you know we'll we're gonna and we're gonna go see all sorts of other things that we haven't seen yeah. yeah so we just we knew about two years in that we were gonna be this was gonna be our life for you know the for foreseeable future we might not have said oh for 20 years but here we are <laughs>
0: It's interesting to me because almost when you're talking about that switch, what we're really talking about is someone who said, I'm going to take a mini retirement, right? I'm going to disappear for a while, use money, do what I need to do. Then I'll come back and start working again to someone who, what I would call now is more early retirement or maybe a passive income person. Were you worried about the economics? You're two years into it. You're like, okay, this is what I want to be doing with myself. Was there this thought, how the heck am I going to support myself?
1: There was, but then again, I think I've always had this just just a huge amount of belief in myself, and that I've always just known that all things will work out and I land on my feet. They always have. It's I like just it might be misplaced, but I have just always known that you know things will work out. And when we were sailing around the world, we were just meeting just unbelievable people, like people that have done. So many different things in their lives to get to the point that they were at, that they were out there sailing around the world, you know, it was like, so it wasn't, I didn't feel like pigeonholed. Like we were, could only do one thing, you know, I was like, man, there's, there's a million things to do. And I'm a smart guy and whatever happens, we go back to Minnesota or back to Chicago or just try something completely different somewhere else. Like we'll do that and, you know, it'll all come together. and. Yeah, I mean, it kind of did in the end. Uh, But I did worry about it a little bit, I will say.
0: You say you ran into a lot of people when you're on the boat, etc., who are kind of having some of these adventures. It's a big world. There's a lot out there. Were there a lot of people like you in your age group, or were you mostly seeing people who were in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who were kind of doing that as an encore?
1: At the time, I would say it was definitely more the the older group. I'd say 55-plus pretty common what you would kind of envision i think when you're thinking about the people that would be out there but there were quite a few young families too who had decided you know take the leap and and try it you know just all sorts of different people and just doctors and construction you know builders and just i mean literally that just spanned everything you know there was no just like well that person did this this and that's it People find all sorts of amazingly unique ways to, to earn a living and to create this lifestyle for themselves.
0: You were 28 when you started this journey. You were sailing for four years. At some point, you must have started thinking about kids and a family. Was there any thought of settling down or by that time were you like, we're on the road? Maybe we won't be in a sailboat, but we're going to make this work with kids.
1: Yeah, so we always knew we wanted kids. We, it was never the, that we didn't want them. And it was so it was obviously, I think, strange to our families and probably to a lot of people that followed our blog and stuff. But, you know, 10 years had gone by and we were still, we were like, okay, now we're going to go move into a VW bus and we're going to drive from Alaska to Argentina and we <laughs> like to do another ridiculous adventure, you know? And I think that one caught, caught some people off guard. But then, yeah, it, we always knew we wanted kids and that this would be a, a family affair. I, I, guess, I don't think we knew that we would end up traveling with kids in a family to, to the extent we have. I think we probably thought we had settled down. Although I think at that time, I we also probably planned to settle down somewhere different. not It wouldn't be a, a typical U.S. lifestyle, I don't think, for us. So we tend to just like being... We like to be kind of the outsiders, I think we like find our place in a place where we don't quite fit in and we have to, you know, it's, it's, we just find it more interesting, I guess. And and so that was always kind of our plan too. So yeah, we, when we eventually did decide to have kids, we we were in Europe at the time, we got pregnant and sold the bus over there, the VW bus and flew back to Minnesota to see family. And sure at that time they were like, oh, great. You're going to settle gonna down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no huh? uh, no no we showed up and we were like hey guys we've got a, a 1965 porsche that's been it's like a family heirloom it's it's a car that i actually came home from the hospital in when i was you know a kid born so we still have that in the family that's my car now and so we literally like got to minnesota climbed in the car and said okay we're gonna head to mexico to have the baby and you know, and they're like, "What? Where? What are you doing?" Like, I don't know. They they have babies there. We're well, we're gonna head down there and figure out the next stage. Yeah, so we went down there, had kids, and then that's when we decided, You know what? Like the the kids. It really came back to the the families that we met that were sailing around the world. Like we we met these families and these young kids, and the kids were fantastic and just really unique to us. Like their outlook and their their abilities just were different. And we were like, you know, that's a pretty good life. And so that's when we decided to buy another boat and and raise our kids on boats.
0: So in the financial independence retire early space, which is a space that I feel like I grew up in, I would almost classify two different types of nomads. There's kind of nomads and then what I'd call digital nomads. So the people who are nomads are more kind of like me who front loaded the sacrifice, made a lot of money, invested it, and kind of live off of the resources that come from that. What I'd call digital nomads are people who either don't have enough money to stop working or never even accumulated much money in the first place, but knew that they could use digital sources of income to fuel their adventures. What was your plan at the outset? Had you saved a lot of money that you thought was going to kind of pave the way to doing this? Or were you more like, I can always make money, I'll find a way on on the adventure?
1: Yeah, no. We are, our plan was always to you know earn more money down the line. We didn't have we didn't have enough money to retire, not by any you know reasonable standards. Like I said, I mean, I'd really only been working for three or four years, so yeah, we planned to to go back to work, and we just we had plenty of money, plenty of capital in the beginning to fund the lifestyle for a considerable amount of time. I mean, we really went out and spent basically more or less a, a decade of just not really working at all and spending fairly freely during that time you know eventually it got to the point where i was like oh hey <laughs> you know like we keep this pace up we're gonna run down this clock pretty soon here so yeah so then you know then i started thinking more about it that's when i started trading more again i i always traded a little bit online during that time but for the most part money was just sitting in you know whatever S and just following the market and not paying much attention to it for for much of the time, but options options trading was always my wheelhouse, and so that's that was something I could do. I could plug in, you know, and look at things during short periods of time. You know, like I we could we could be in the BW bus and traveling and stop somewhere for a few you know two three four days, someplace that actually had decent internet, and be like, yeah, okay, let me take a look and see what's going on, see if I see any opportunities get in get out and so that usually worked out okay too and then eventually it just kind of grew into more than that we are
0: talking to patrick schulte he is an adventure digital nomad and the writer behind bumfuzzle the oldest sailing blog in existence we're going to take a short break i'm doc g and this is the earn and invest podcast usa.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to remind you, if you want to find out what is going on with the Earn and Invest podcast or me, Jordan Grummet, there are a few ways to get more information. One is that you can go to my personal website, JordanGrummet.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-G-R-U-M-E-T.com. There you'll find links to my medical blog, my financial blog, as well as the Earn and Invest podcast. You'll also learn what is the newest, latest, and greatest when it comes to my book, Taking Stock, which will be coming out August 2nd. We're going to make the push for early or pre-sales in July. You can find it on Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble's you name it, you can find it there. And last but not least, visit us on Facebook. The best way to get there is earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. In our Facebook group, we discuss everything from personal finance, to current events, to what's happening in our world, as well as I post every episode there. So check us out. A few different ways to reach me, either at jordangrummet.com or at earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. I hope to see you there and become part of the Earn and Invest community. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Pat Schulte. He quit his nine to five back in his 20s when he realized he didn't want work to be the center of life That was 20 years ago. Pat, before the break, we were talking about getting back into options trading. It hits me that when you left your job, the technology was quite different than it would have been four to six years later by the time you said, "Uh uh-oh, I'm getting down on the cash a little. I better start thinking about making money again. Tell me how the technology had changed and, and maybe how that allowed you to become a more avid options trader.
1: Yeah, it really did change greatly when i first left there really didn't even exist i mean um, it may have existed in some form but you know there really was no way to trade options from a from a computer just anywhere in the world and so yeah that that grew over time i kind of but you know by the time i started thinking back you know like okay what am i gonna what am i gonna do next like i said i started you know started trading options again when when i would plug in and just found that that was that was working for me um like i didn't i still didn't need to pay you know a ton ton of attention to the markets i could leave the rest of the money just sitting there working away when i was available plug in trading was it was expensive in the beginning at at that time i think for were still pretty pretty steep and most of the platforms i think i was using fidelity at the time and that was just a horrendous platform back then i mean there was I don't even think you could view an options chain. You know, you you could get like an option individual quote or something. I mean, so it's really evolved and continued to become just easier and easier for guys like me.
0: A lot of people are listening to your story saying, boy, I'd love to live that life. You were an options trader before all this happened. So you came with some knowledge in 2013. You wrote a book, Living on the Margin, which describes some of the ways in which you options trade. Do you think this is something that's open to everyone? Like, Can everyone follow the path you took? Because I think a big part of your story is this ability to fund your lifestyle by doing some type of digital work.
1: Options trading by itself is complicated. It does take a certain mind, I think, to be able to really grasp it. But I do think it's something that can be taught. Over the years now, I also have my business now, Wander Financial, which we'll talk about. But, you know, I do teach people how to trade options and I won't say it works for everyone. I think a big hang up for a lot of the people is just differentiating dollar signs from percentage signs. You know, it's it's so often people, especially in options, because things will move fast, they'll see a a dollar sign just, you know, going away from them and they, they don't think rationally i don't think it's a terms of percentage where am i at you know where is this how much is this really affecting me what it's so many different things but so anyways options trading is not for everyone but i do think it's a great opportunity for, for a lot of people that kind of want to do what i do and, and travel not and just not be paying attention to markets all the time. i mean you can be so you can sort of be an active trader but also be inactive you know like Maybe You can't hold options trades and be inactive. You can't not pay attention to them. But you know you can also come and go and plug in and plug out. I once had a guest who
0: is an avid day and swing trader. And he said, look, about 10% of people long-term make money doing this. But he said, if you're willing to study and learn, you can definitely be part of that 10%. Do you, do you think that's kind of a rational look at it?
1: Yeah, I think 10% is probably a reasonable way to look at it i think the other thing to remember is that even if you're in a 90 percent, just you will learn taking away something and learning something new is good too you know like you've learned something about the markets maybe you learn wow i could use options to hedge my you know my 401k when i see the market you know you see signs that the market is in trouble or it's topping, and you feel like you're overexposed but at the same time you don't want to just dump your positions and for tax purposes or whatever. And so, I mean, there is definitely, I think there's a lot to be learned from just knowing how options work, but yeah, no, definitely people aren't going to just overnight learn it and be able to make money. That's just not the way it works. I find that in my groups that people that really pay attention, really come into like, we've got a daily chat as well. And so people that are really in there and plugged in and asking questions and really trying to learn it, like within about yeah, two, three months, like they've, they've really got got it down. They understand the lingo. They might not understand like every advanced options technique available, but they definitely understand, you know, puts and calls and long and short, and you know, just the different basics. And I think that serves them well. And some, of them, some of them really do, do do well. And they like, I think especially like the, the opportunity to profit when the market's dropping. I think we've all seen enough of that in the last, you know, few years. There's definitely some opportunity there when the markets are falling.
0: Yeah. What I love about day-in swing trading or what you call fading is that it really doesn't matter whether the market's on the rise or or going down. It matters your ability to spot what's happening and use the charts, et cetera, to decide where to go next. And I kind of like that because a lot of us who are kind of those long-term quote unquote investors get really anxious about the market's ups and downs, whereas a lot of the traders oh see opportunity on both sides. I was going to ask you how much of your current lifestyle is being funded by trading, but I realize you have other businesses. So I guess I would turn this around and say, if you wanted to, would it be quite possible for you to fund your lifestyle right now just by options trading?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I did fund my just off the trading, you know, first for the first decade. And then, and then again, uh, probably for probably for the next five years more or less before I actually like for the first time I, I really only just kind of randomly offered one day on, on my website like hey I if anybody wants to learn options I'll teach you some option stuff and I offered it up to like five people or something and within like a minute I got all these emails and then I was like oh wow there's a lot of people who would actually like to do this and then it eventually grew beyond options and everything else but um. So yeah, now it's hard to say. I mean, now I've got a business. I've got, uh, you know, there's just other things. I've written books. I've got a business. We got trading. I've, crypto came along out of nowhere. And I was, uh, you know, fortunate to, to see some of that. So yeah, there's, it's hard to say like, hey.
0: <laughs> Have you ever been on the cusp of running out? Like, did you ever hit a bad spell where you're like, oh my God things are going poorly, I might not make it with trading and have to start doing some type of nine to five again.
1: I never have. I never have actually. So that's good. It's kind of fun to be able to think, you know, I'm closing in on 50 now, I'm 48. And it's like, man, this is really all I've ever done. I've only ever been a trader. I've earned some money here and there from other things, you know, writing and whatever. But for the most part, like the markets have been my entire life. So it's that's kind of, it's kind of fun.
0: So I read your book life on the margin and I'm fairly savvy when it comes to investing and technical issues. So I can tell you that your strategies definitely take some time to understand. Like you can't just go read this the first time and completely understand what you do. There's a definite technical analysis there. There's a definite science to what you do. I could see it taking months or even years to really grasp it. Certainly the way you grasp it, because you've been doing this for a long time, but in the position you're in, now that this is something you feel fairly much a pro or expert at how many hours a month do you need to spend doing this to support your
1: lifestyle i think people once they really kind of figured it out they can probably spend i don't know i think it's reasonable to say hey 20 hours a week like would be you're doing you're doing some research you're paying attention you're going through your your watch list you know i think you can you can spot the signals i mean Obviously, after all these years, I can go through a, a watch list and look at the charts and see everything. I can go through a watch list of a 100 stocks in a, a minute or two, right? And and see everything I need to see. That takes time to learn, you know, obviously. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. I mean, if you really studied and learned this stuff as much as you could for a year, then I think you could get down to 10 hours a week if you wanted or whatever to be kind of an active, semi-active trader i guess that that would be that'd be a rough estimate i i don't know exactly it's a good question maybe i should ask my subscribers kind of what do they feel that number is
0: yeah it you know it's interesting because we talk you know the the benchmark is the tim ferris five-hour work week right people really saying okay life really feels passive i really feel like i'm winning at the game right when i'm spending a lot less time 20 hours is like a half-time job no question about it after a lot of you know job training 10 hours doesn't sound so bad. Certainly five hours sounds wonderful.
1: Here's how I look at it. Like the nice thing is most of the work doesn't need to be done at a specific time. (laughs) Like maybe at night, instead of watching uh, Netflix or something, spend an hour looking at the market, you know, and go through your charts or when you wake up in the morning and you're having a cup of coffee and uh, nobody else is even awake yet, like you spend an hour then. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, it's a trade. It's a trade off. You know, do you. Do you really just need to have that super free time, or do you want? Are you willing to spend a little bit of time actually making an effort towards you know money and, and investing and improving yourself? I, I think that kind of goes for everything.
0: Do you spend much time thinking about you know quote unquote traditional retirement or or an age where you wouldn't want to be doing these kind of five or ten hour weekly work doing trades? Was there some thought of? Okay, we're doing trading, which is short term in and out. Any thought of kind of more investing for the long term and, and, and getting to a point where maybe you didn't have to do this stuff anymore?
1: I mean, I think we all kind of work towards that eventually. For me, this is, it's just what I do and I enjoy doing it. So it's not, it doesn't feel like a, a ton of work, you know, kind of. <laughs> it's, uh, I, maybe if I think, okay, do I still want to be doing this at 60? Uh, maybe not, probably not. So, yeah, I mean, I'll continue to invest. I do invest, you know, for a long term. I've got, you know, the buy and hold portfolio, the, the dividend portfolio. I've got my active trade portfolio, you know. So you are kind of always working towards, you know, some goal. Nobody wants to be 90, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and plugging away every day. But, yeah, I, I don't foresee any. Big timeline cutoff. I am taking off. Big plan here for the next year is to take off and sail around the world again. My kids are 12 and 10 now. So actually I'm sitting on a boat in Aruba right now, our current boat, but we're just buying another boat that's in Mexico and we're planning to take off and sail around the world again. So I will be just kind of putting, you know, putting it really to work again and saying, hey, let's see if we can do this and travel the world and actually sail across oceans and, and still, you know, still run this and still do this thing.
0: Let's talk about your kids a little since you brought them up. Tell me how this has changed your beliefs about traditional education. I mean, most people think go to high school, get good grades, get into a good college, go work. Tell me what you're thinking about your kids. Will they need to go to college?
1: Will they need to? I don't know if the word need. It depends on what they decide to do, I guess, you know, which obviously they're only 12 and 10. So we're not like, oh, what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> you know, like, Come on, start thinking about it. For me, it's great. It's changed greatly. Like I look back and I think, oh man, traditional schooling, you know, it's just, I don't know. I try to think now, like, what would, would I be able to stick my kids in something where they had to sit there and be forced to learn things that either weren't ready to learn yet, or they just weren't interested in learning and yet in being told to sit there for whatever it is, eight hours and then come home and do more homework. Like we, we practice It's kind of a mix of homeschooling and unschooling, I guess they call it technically. But we, we really try to focus on just letting them learn, you know, what they want, focusing on it when they, when they do show an interest in something. And then also just kind of thinking outside the box as far as learning. And for example, I don't know. I mean, like we let our kids, we just read to them, you know, all the time, every night, every day. And they didn't show much interest in learning to read themselves. But so we didn't push it. You know, we never pushed it. And then, you know, all of a sudden they uh, like turn eight or nine, which by that point they would have been behind in a a normal school. Right. They would have been getting all kinds of grief from the teacher and whatever. And yet now they just read voraciously. Like they just sit there all day long and read and read. We're just, we're actually on our boat. Like I said, we're, we're moving off this boat into another boat. And we had to give away books because we can't take them with us. So we gave away like 300 books to the local school here because I we've had so many books on the boat, and it's like we can't take them with us. We'll have to start the new library on the next one, you know. But yeah, it's it's a nonstop thing, and so it's and the other big thing that I that I like about this lifestyle that's different is that they learn all these different skills than their kid than their peers may have learned. You know, they were scuba diving at nine and ten years old they're just so good in the water you know that they're they're down there diving wrecks when they're nine years old i mean to me that's just incredible they were surfing at three years old you know it's, it things that these aren't the things that you learn in, in traditional school but these are like great amazing life skills you know that are going to be with you forever whereas other things might not be and then other things you just i because of what I do, I sit down with them. We we started, they have their own trading accounts. They don't trade themselves, but we we sit together and we talk about it. We look at their investments. I mean, you know, by the time they're 18, they're going to have substantial portfolios, you know, which is something that I make a huge deal of in my business and trying to tell other people is just, you know, like it's so important these days because I really believe that kids these days, like they're coming out of college and they do not have, the opportunities that we had they're coming out into a world where homes they can't you know i mean there's a reason kids are still at home at you know what i don't know what the average is now but 28 29 or something I mean it's crazy to me to think you know when we were kids boom 18 you could go out you could get a one-bedroom apartment for a few hundred bucks you could scrape that money together easy you know doing any job and i don't know it's just such a different ball game for them now with, with everything they have to look forward to so Teaching them about finance, teaching them about trading and investing and compounding interest and all these things—these aren't things they're teaching in school, unfortunately, you know. And so there's all these opportunities when you're doing it and you're teaching them and you're experienced in the world and it's just different. It's different, and, and I think better, but we'll see. Who knows? You never get to know until you, how your kids are getting turned out until the time it's comes. It's too late. Yeah, yeah exactly. We'll see what happens.
0: I'm interested in how you guys experienced COVID, right? So for those of us who were not traveling the world, those of us who weren't on a boat or in an RV, we had major disruptions of our lives, right? Our kids couldn't go to school. They had to school from home. A lot of us
1: couldn't go to our jobs. What was it like for you? It was a disruption, but it was easy for us in a way. So here's what our situation was. We had to actually just sit just sailed into Puerto Rico and we were anchored out in the Bay and we had to come into the dock one day just because we needed a new battery for the boat and The boat batteries weigh, you know, a hundred pounds. So you, you, pull up to the dock and we're lifting this battery on. And then the, the guy comes up and the dock master, and he says, you know, if you leave, we just found out if you leave the dock, you can't come back. Hmm. Like they were, they had locked down and basically that was it. Like you had to stay right where you were. So if you went out to anchor, you were going to stay at anchor and you couldn't come back ashore. All it was pretty crazy pretty intense and so we were fortunate and we were just on the dock there at the marina but it was i mean it was like deathly quiet for months you know for i'd say what was it maybe three months we never we didn't leave the marina i was able to go out go to the grocery store but that was it you know the kids never left we after few weeks they were able to go like in the parking lot (laughs) you know so we were able to like go skateboard and stuff around the parking lot but you know it was it was a really intense lockdown there but it didn't change our schooling it didn't so we didn't have these things and we were so used to living together in a small space already you know it did us it was just kind of a family time we We had the kids like, oh, hey, take a picture of yourself every day and we'll make a video at the end or something. You know, like we had these little projects and fun things that we would do. But for the most part, like life didn't change a whole lot. It was pretty much what it was.
0: So a lot of us living what I would call kind of that traditional lifestyle, the non-nomadic lifestyle, we tend to define enough on monetary terms, right? We define a certain net worth or we define enough as when we can retire. I'm wondering in your lifestyle, what does enough really look like to you or, or mean to you?
1: Yeah, so that's changed over time, for sure. You know, like when we were young, I mean, it was, it was a certain number. And then I think over time, definitely while we've been traveling the way we have, you know, via boats and motorhomes, it's such a small, simple lifestyle. You know, we've got solar panels and our own water maker. And like it, some of the things we do are so outside the, the norm different and it just simpler it kind of brings back lack of a better word just a simpler time you know it's it's different in that regard so i think we realized many years ago now that you know we can live on a lot less you know we're not trying to trying to impress anybody with you know the latest gadgets we're not trying to impress anybody with our clothes we're not you you very much lose the keeping up with the joneses mentality you know that's that's definitely like something that goes out the window real early when you're taking a dinghy to shore and then trudging 2 miles across town to go to a grocery store and then pack everything to a backpacks and then lug them back and you know i mean it's it's not a lifestyle like for the rich and famous that you know want to look all fancy and stuff it's uh, you know it's that's kind of how we live now it's like a simpler life we don't need as much we don't even strive for that great amount anymore you know there's certainly none of that like i hope someday we have enough money that we can have a ferrari and a, you know and a huge house and it's just none of that you know it's like we just content and happy with what we have we don't need a lot and that's as long as we've got that and we've got a happy family and healthy like hey life is good
0: Tell us about Wanderer Financial. How did you end up in the financial advice business? Because it doesn't sound like you had planned to be there.
1: Yeah, I definitely didn't. So I have a friend, Nico Kelly, who I wrote "Live on the Margin" with, and he approached me. Actually, he's like, "Do you just get the question all the time? Like, how do you do this lifestyle?" Because he was also a, a wanderer, you know he he had lived on boats and, and all this. So, and we were the same age, and you know, people would we were we were young, obviously, so we looked. I mean sure it looked crazy to people to see us on boats I mean we would get it all the time like oh are you the crew on this boat (laughs) you know even though it was a little boat it wasn't fancy but people would still just assume like you you couldn't possibly own this boat and be sailing around the world you know and so we decided you know let's answer that question how how we've done it what our life what our outlook is on life how you might change your life to if this is something that you want to do yeah and so we kind of we started out with that and at the time I even kind of recommended in the book like hey you don't need to pay for financial advice you know that was something we talked about but then over time after after writing the book we just I would constantly just get emails you know asking questions about investing and trading and what this person should do with their 401k and I'm not a financial advisor so this wasn't what I wanted to be doing you know as far as those specifics but then I thought you eventually I thought, you know, maybe people do need help, more help, you know, just learning about what what their options are. What It's kind of amazing to me because I've, I've just always been involved in it. So it's hard to understand how little people actually know about stocks and, and investing and trading and how to even do it. You know, like they, they don't even understand the basic idea of a brokerage, you know, like... All they know is that they might know a 401k and, and maybe they've figured out the IRA and beyond that, like that's it. They don't know much more. And so, yeah. So anyways, I started out, I just offered up to my, my bumfuzzle people, the followers of our website that I would teach a few people how to trade options. And that got a big response and pretty soon that just community kept growing and growing. Eventually, I took out a partner, and we we just kept growing. And you know, people keep coming to us, and it, it's really nice because they all kind of come to us organically. They followed us, followed me through Bumfuzzle. They know who I am. I'm I'm not putting on airs. I'm not. I'm a pretty straight shooter. You know, I've always my whole life is is essentially right there to to read about. So people come to us, and they're they're very much of the same mentality and wanting the same things from life. So it really becomes this really cool group of. People are coming from lots of different walks of life, but all kind of striving towards the same thing, which is really nice. And it's been a fun community and fun. It's fun to go to work every day and and talk to these people and and hang out in our live chats and, you know, and answer their questions.
0: So, Pat Schulte, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show today. On the surface, your story is a story about a guy who decided to become a nomad. It's a story about someone who realized they could make income off of trading. But when you look deeper, it's actually the story of someone who decided what meaning meant in their life and then built a financial structure and framework around that. And I think we make that mistake often. We often think that we first make the money and then we live life. And certainly I think part of my message and what I hear in your message too is that we've got to think a lot more about who we want to be and what we want to do first and then our build our finances around that. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where can people find you if they want to know more. So first and foremost, what is up next? What is your plan for the next few months?
1: Yeah. So next for us, then like I said, we're, we're selling this boat in Aruba where we bought a new boat in, in Mexico. We'll be moving back moving back there and it's actually kind of home for us it feels like home because my kids were born in puerto vallarta and that just happens to be where this new boat is so we're excited about that and then within the next few months we'll be hopefully heading out to head across the south pacific and, and off we go continuing on with our with our adventures
0: and if people want to know more what is the best way for them to contact you
1: yeah the best way to find us is well you can follow my travels at bumfuzzle.com that's b-u-m-f-u-z-z-l-e.com and uh we've got my my trading business and my my group at wanderfinancial.com. this has been the earn and invest
0: podcast on behalf of myself I g i wanted to thank pat schulte that's a wrap Awesome. I usually Thanks. let the recording keep going as we chat because I, I keep some of this as an after show. Um, is there anything you think we missed or that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about?
1: No, I think you wrapped it up really at the end. I really think that's an important part, you know, like uh, people do. They strive for this money, 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 and they don't. Uh, and then they're then they think, yeah, like you said, oh, and then I'll be I'll find happiness and what I want to do with my life, you know, but like, hey why not you know why not find your happiness and what makes you happy what's your purpose and find that and then worry about the money like you might find that you need a lot less like like i have you know um so that's definitely a big thing i think the other thing the only other thing i might have touched on is just telling people like so, not everything has to be forever you know like you can do these things like don't be afraid to take off for a year you know if you even if your job's not going to say, oh, yeah, take a year sabbatical, like sometimes you've just got to say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm taking off. Dude, go do something that you've really wanted to do for a year you know, or two or whatever, whatever the case may be. You might find it completely changes your life or you might find it, oh, I didn't really need that or want that. Like I'm happy with what I had and, you know, you go back to that and that's all fine. You know, at the end of the day, you're not going to be, you know, maybe it costs you a little bit of money, but uh, I think, you know, having that story and, and having that Kind of under your belt will make make you happier. Kind of going forward, uh, I think so often people just get stuck in that. Like I've got to work until, I, until I'm completely ready, you know, sixty five or whatever, and they just and then and it just never pans out, right? Like people get sick, they get yeah. family, you know, family problems. It's just ah, it just never it, it works out so rarely. I can't. I wonder what the true percentage is. You know, like of uh, people that have like a big dream for sixty five and but maybe they're only 45 like how many of them are going to achieve that i mean it's Uh it's
0: not as many as yeah not as many as people think my dad died at 40 so like i think (laughs) a lot about his life when i think about my and i'm like for sure it's that you know it's that the thing we struggle with is trying to figure out deferred gratification, saving for retirement, having enough to eventually leave work be safe, be able to afford your own healthcare, all that kind of stuff versus right. realizing that time is short and you may not live as long as you think or you may not have options mm-hmm. later on, so taking advantage of today and and figuring out that mix is yeah. really hard for people. I think there is yeah. a subsegment which I would put you in from the bit, the bit I'm hearing from you. There's a subsegment of people who figure I'll just make it work And those people tend to do very well because they do make it work, right? It's already part of their mindset. They're like, okay, this is what I want to do. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work out, but I'll make it work. And I think that attitude works really well. Unfortunately, it is hard, and I'm just as bad with this. You know, it's hard to open up our brains to get rid of those limiting beliefs and start thinking, okay, Mm -hmm. it will just work. And unfortunately, not everyone can do that. Like, yeah there's there's a group who definitely can't and then there's a group who definitely can and then there's the rest of us who may be able to be convinced or have our brains opened enough enough to do that
1: yeah yeah um, and the thing is i also realize, like I, you know i i'm blessed in a, in a way i'm lucky very fortunate in a way because i'm you know i'm a white male i'm uh, american i uh, you know all these things that are going for me financially like yeah. i'm not going to be on the street you know like okay i've got a, i've got family there and they're good people and they'll you know if, if things just went completely haywire they're gonna help me out so i mean i've i try to always remember that too like i get it not everybody can just take these chances that i do you know like i they don't have a fallback or they don't have you know they might've gotten to a point in their lives where they just, it's not going to happen again. You know, like they got to that point that's unlikely that it's going to be given to them again, if they leave it. So, I mean, I get that. So I'm trying to go overboard with that, but I, you know, at the same time, I, you know, I'm fortunate. I recognize that. And so I'm also not going to let that pass me by, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. I want to take, I want to take advantage of that and make myself a happy life. You know? I think sometimes
0: too, we, um, you know we we make this so we're always on one side or the other a lot of times we talk about things like privilege but you know you can still speak from a privileged position and bring up ideas and opinions that are still helpful for yeah. anyone in any situation so you know i talk a lot about personal finance i grew up in a very middle class family i became a doctor i am exactly that i'm white i'm male so i've i've had a lot of privilege in my life that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that getting people to think more about meaning and purpose and starting to look at their life decisions with that in mind isn't valuable. So yes, it means that someone who's scraping by who has, you know, a very basic job and doesn't make a lot of money, they're not going to have the options that you or I necessarily have on the other hand, framing some of the decisions available to them in -hmm. that mindset can still be beneficial. And bring about improvements in their life and that's that's kind of the the thought process i try to make is where our actual circumstances often are different sometimes that framework we help create or teach or have studied could help someone even if the actual details of their life are are much different
1: right true very true yeah yeah